Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 22, we're going to recap UFC 295 Prohaska versus Pereira from this past weekend. Then we're going to preview UFC Vegas 82, Brennan Allen versus Paul Craig. From there, we'll draft our top five birthday things for a shout out to our boy Christian for his birthday. And we'll cover our favorite football games across college and the NFL. And finally, we'll jump back into Stakes and Takes, our betting segment where we give you our best advice for this week's games. But first, don't forget to like and subscribe and then head to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all our recent podcasts, videos, top fives, and more. Again, that's splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, so UFC 295 in Madison Square Garden lived up to the hype. Uh, Every fight, I think, every fight in the main card at least ended with a finish. Early finishes, too, it seemed like. Um, I think there was only one round to judge, one or two rounds on the whole main event main card yeah verdict that verdict app made me really really uh sleepy this week just not being able to click anything yeah there was only a couple maybe three at the most like rounds in the whole main card to judge there were so many finishers as exciting a lot of highlights and two the, title fights two title fights and the main event yuri prohachka alexander Perea for the 205 belt it lived up to the hype Pereira becomes the Two you say, time you div- say double champ, uh, two weight champ because he's not. I say I think double champ is like you have both belts at the same time. But he's won that one eighty five now the two hundred five belt in the UFC. Only the ninth guy ever to do that, so it's an impressive feat. Like a two time two division champ. Yeah, uh, and he came out. This was a fight. It seemed like a pretty evenly matched fight on paper, and it played out first round at least like that. It could have gone either way. I think most of the judges, all the judges, gave it to Pereira first round. But I think you could have easily made the argument, Yuri. They traded shots. Yuri took him down. Uh, he yeah, was think, able to get up, but... I think Pereira just had a little bit more damage, a little bit more obvious leg damage in that round. Because they made a good point. Pereira, when he gets on the ground, all he does is kind of play it safe. But because he did that, Yuri wasn't able to get anything off on the ground. Right, he was, he was able to, to get guard. up. Even though it was for a while, he was able to get up. And then they're striking on the feet. I think they both hit each other, but I think Pereira was a little more sharper. Right. And it played out in the second round when Pereira caught Yuri kind of rushing in. Two hooks, really. Yeah, le- uh, right hand to start it off and then an overhand and then his, left. his crazy left hand. Man. Dropped him to his knees. He was kind of—he he got dropped to his knees, and he was kind of trying to go for the takedown as he was getting dropped, Yuri. Right. Pereira kind of caught him. He was up against the fence and then started unleashing some shots, some, some deep elbows and elbows to the side of the head. It looked like an early stoppage, but going back and watching it, those shots to the side of the head, Yuri went limp. Coming from somebody who picked uh, Prohaska to win the fight, I don't think it was a, an early stoppage. I think those elbows and the dude going limp and falling to his back. Yeah, Pro I think that's even enough. came out after the fight and said, "Yeah, it was the right call." To- I think that's enough for for the judge, for the ref to stop the fight. I think it was Mark Goddard stop the fight and say, "Look, you, you weren't like. There's no recovering from that. You were taking shots to the dome, bro." I like, saw Marab and, and Sterling tried to come out and say, "Mark Goddard again with the early stoppage." I'm sick of them people. Me too. I'm so sick of them. Those but, guys. Those guys. But Pereira, I mean. What more can you say? The dude has fought like six or seven times in the UFC, and he already has two belts. How many UFC I, champions has he beaten? I don't know the exact exact number, but the stat I saw was he's fought more UFC champions than he has unranked guys in the UFC. That's absolutely brutal. It's insane. The dude's a killer. Uh, okay, so what's next for Alex Pereira? He called out his, uh, his son. He wants he, to fight his son? He wants to fight Adesanya, get the... MMA trilogy, the fifth fight overall, if you count their kickboxing, which and he's won three of them, one in MMA. I mean, we've seen Adesanya at 205. He didn't look that impressive. It was a few years ago. Yeah, it was um, against Jan, right? was against Jan. Uh, I, would, I would love to see that fight. I just don't think Adesanya has mentioned he's going to take a while off. So right, I he said think, he was going to come back in like 2026, 2027. 27, I don't believe that long, but I think I don't think a he's going to— A hiatus is due for him, I don't for think, sure. He seems like a guy, when he says something, he usually, like, he's thought about it. And he knew there was a real possibility Pereira was going to come in, win this belt, and call him out right away. 
Yeah. So I don't think that's going to be the fight, although I'd love to see it. Um, I mean, Pereira could he, he kind of fight anybody. He could. Maybe I mean, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith's been talking a bunch of shit for some reason to Alex Pereira, even though Anthony Smith hasn't done anything like yeah, but deserving he, of a title shot. But I would like to see Alex. He Alex. did win his last. Anthony Smith did win his last fight out. I I remember because I thought he was going to lose. So he won his last fight out. He is ranked in the top 15. He could go and do, you know, could go for a title shot. Poton would, that would be like, you want to see a dead body? I think that's what he would do. To, what is this? Like, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Stand By Me? You want to see a dead body? Yeah, exactly. That's brutal. But right. I mean, impressive. Yuri, I'm not sure where he goes from here. He took a year off. This was a tough loss. Um, Honestly, I think he's going to just be right back into it. I think I think he's still easily a top top contender in this division. I would like to see him. You know, Jamal Hill. Whenever he comes back, he's either going to fight Pereira for the belt uh, or Yuri. I would like to see him fight Yuri. Yeah, I, I would. I would be down for any of those fights. I want to see Yuri fight. I want to see Alex fight. Uh, especially now that we see that Alex can fight across divisions pretty he, easily. He knocked the dude out in two hundred five. So now it's like okay. He's got power across he's, whatever. Yeah, he's still got power, which is a scary thing for the rest of the division. Absolutely. Look, moving on to the co-main event, we had Tom Aspinall. Also a title fight. Fighting Sergey Pavlovich for the interim heavyweight title. Two killers, two guys you do not want to get into a ring with. And there's one thing I know I'll never be able to do at any weight class is outrun Tom Aspinall. He is so fast. He's so quick with it. He, I didn't expect him to to take a shot like that. He Re- took a the, he took a kind of reset and then just pummeled from, from Pavlovich. Which, if you watch his fights, Pavlovich he's has not power. a guy you can just eat his shots. Like he he has crazy power. Where he just knocks guys unconscious and and dead. Right. Aspinall took the shot, was all right, recovered, and then showed his speed. He was way faster, way quicker. Yeah, he hit um, him hard with an overhand he didn't right. He look like he looks like a heavyweight because he's a giant ass dude. He's but tall, he but he's lean. He doesn't move like a heavyweight, and he has well, I guess some crazy, not lean. He he does have some some girth on him. He has some. He's still like two fifty, but he's, he's not like you know he's not like Derek Lewis coming out you know at the beginning of his career heavy. He's you know he's a, he's an in shape heavyweight guy. He's a guy that takes it very serious too. Yeah. He started out with jiu-jitsu, so he has a ground game. He chokes a lot of these big dudes out, but he proved he has it every kind of way. He can choke you out. He has the crazy power. He knocked out kind of the boogeyman in the heavyweight division, the guy everybody was afraid to fight because he has that crazy power. Uh, such an impressive performance. Finally, he gets the interim belt, so he gets a belt. Aspinall's one of those dudes you watched him probably like two or three fights ago, and you're like, that guy's like, like that goddamn, that's crazy. Level. He's a championship level, so now he's officially a championship level with that belt. Um, I would like to see. They're talking about Jones not being ready till like the summertime. I want to see Aspinall fight before then. Yeah, Does I think he defend. Can you defend an interim belt? I think if they defend the interim belt, that'll just be some tomfoolery. John Jones needs to vacate the belt and be- just come back and just. If, look, if you're that good, shot guaranteed. if you're that good, you're not going to have a problem winning it back. But everybody else has to vacate when they're injured. Well, not everybody does. A lot of people, if they can't fight for a year plus, will vacate the belt. Well, a lot of times the UFC takes it. They're just not sure. going to do that to John Jones because that's their golden boy. They should from Cocaine Wayne. They should, but <laughs> shout out John Jones. I love you. Yeah, I do too. Honestly, like, he won't vacate, but... He, I want to see Aspinall fight again before John Jones. I, and I would like to see him fight uh, Gon or Almeida. Johnson Almeida would be a crazy fight, but then Cyril Gon and Almeida are already beefing on Twitter, talking about well, because like, Gon doesn't want to fight Almeida, which is obvious because Almeida would yeah, take him down, and like I don't think Gon could deal with his ground game. Even though Gon, you know, has a little bit on his own, like. It is a little bit, but that's obviously his big weakness at the elite level. Right. So, but now that's why he's being called out. You know, it's just going to be a Well, the funny thing is, Gon, shelf. when Aspinall won his last fight, he called out Gon, and Gon said, nah, you don't have a bell. I'm not fighting you. 
And then as soon as the Aspinall, second wins, Aspinall, the Aspinall belt, wins the God belt, starts calling him out. And it's like, you well, got dude. the belt now. I am the hunter. I am coming. It's like, well, now you just. You it's like you were pussy before. Yeah, though. it's come across pretty lame, Cyril. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to see Aspinall fight before John Jones. I'm open to the opponent. I just want it to happen before the summer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the next fight we're going to take a look at. This was an outrageous fight. Not, maybe not in a good way either. No, not in a good way. Jessica Andrade just kind of beat the shit out of Mackenzie Dern. This was the worst I've ever seen Mackenzie Dern look. Look, Mackenzie Dern kept her head held high all in the wrong ways this fight. Props to her. She kept coming. Like, she was getting the shit beat out of Molly her. Molly-whopped, if you and, will. like, she didn't back down. She didn't cower, but man, Jessica Andrade, she needed that two and a three fight losing streak coming in, and she was just piecing her up on the. If field. this was in a college football game, Andrade would have been ejected for targeting. That would have, like, if this was absolutely nuts. This is a college nuts. football game, she would have sat herself in the third quarter. Like, it was that big of a <laughs> Yeah, out. it was crazy. Andrade absolutely pieced Mackenzie Dern up. She held her chin as a moving target, sometimes not moving target, for Andrade to hit. I'm surprised. I mean, the commentators were talking about it. It's, it looked like me fighting Jessica Andrade out there. And, you know, we've seen Mackenzie Dern fight before, and she has not looked like that. I don't know what happened. I think it proves that she needs to at least act like she has the Brazilian accent in order to be a good fighter, because when she's speaking with her American accent, it just doesn't work that well. I mean, she's got to switch something up. I don't want to get into personal life, but... <laughs> I think uh, what you know, it's funny. Jessica Andrade was going through a divorce too because they talked about it. Yeah, they said both fighters going through a, a divorce pre-fight, and the winnings would go to like child support. Well, you didn't see in the uh, in the post-fight with Joe Rogan. That was what, yeah, that's what it was. He was like, "That but should help she, you with your divorce." She brought it up, but it was in Portuguese, so we didn't hear it. But he ended it with, "I hope these winnings help pay for your divorce." It's kind of a weird thing to say, Joe, but Jessica Andrade called out Angela Hill. Um, I would I like mean, that sure, fight, but like I don't really like Angela Hill, though. I just I'm not a fan. I don't think she's a great fighter, contrary to what she says. Yeah, I would be careful looking up Google and Jessica Andrade too. By yeah, the way. don't just the heads up to everybody. Don't just leave the NSFW filter on for her. But an impressive win for her. I mean, she. Just looked a lot better than Mackenzie Dern. I'm not sure where Mackenzie Dern goes from here. It really would. She's got to kind of regroup totally. Absolutely. Uh, For Andrade, though, it bookended her 2023. This is her fifth fight. Two and three. She won the first one, lost three in a row. And sandwiched it with another win. And then got a win. So it's like going to 2024. (laughs) Going to 2024 with a high, clean slate. And then. You know, move forward from there. I think it's a positive thing. If she doesn't fight Angela Hill, I think she could fight either a Tabitha Ritchie or Carolina Kowalkowicz. Those are the only two other options I could really think of that are on the same timeline of being able to fight again. All right, and the next fight we're looking at, this is maybe our favorite up-and-coming lightweight. I'm not even going to say maybe. He is our favorite up-and-coming lightweight. It's the literal French Navy SEAL Benoit Saint-Denis with the head kick knockout. Of Matt Steamroller for Vola. Yeah, I wrote on the top line of my my notes here is probably our new favorite lightweight, the God of War, Benoit Saint Denis. I mean, he looked so good in this fight. He did get slammed once. Yeah, it was a good. It but was, he was able looked, to get up. It was a good contention for Matt for Vola. It was it was one of those fights where it was respect on on both sides. It was because they're both they were both veterans. I didn't realize the U.S., Britain, and France. I guess all the Allied powers from World War Two have the same veterans day that's pretty sick yeah so it is kind of sick so he, it was his veterans day too with, on saturday yeah they had they had a pretty good exchange in the clinch after the knock the uh, slam down if you'll call it that um and then as they were releasing from the clinch for, for vola kind of like he kinda, said on twitter today he thought he was like yeah i made a mistake i thought i was out of range well, there you go. He thought he was out of range. And he kind of... And circled. Benoit Saint-Denis unleashed a head kick. It was like he kicked him in the eye, pretty much. Directly, <laughs> big toe to the temple type of head kick. Cut his eye. It was such a big toe. To, like, his nail cut his eye, definitely. Right. And, and Ferrola dropped on the spot. I mean, it Just, was a beautiful head kick. I mean... 90 in seconds into the fight. In a card that had... A, crazy finishes that was probably knockout of the night the best knockout of the night yeah it was a very good knockout 
Because it's clean, too. He, he dropped him. Right. He landed a few left hands on the ground after, which was just, you know, added damage. In the fight, you know, like I said, stopped just 90 seconds in. He called out. He said he's going to come back to he Madison to Square BMF Garden. Belt. And he will defend either the BMF or the lightweight belt in Madison Square Garden, is what Benoit St. Denis he said. Called, he said BMF. He said Justin Gaethje. Dustin then, Poirier. And then he even said, like, Islam can't go five rounds with me. He also called out Matus Gamrot. So, I think, honestly, with— Him versus Gamrot, that's a good fight to that's make. That's probably the next one to make in all reality. Him being a—he's uh, 11th ranked, I think, at this point. I think he gets I think he gets that. If Dan Hooker wins, I think he gets Dan Hooker maybe next because they would also be on the same timeline to fight because Dan Hooker's fighting the next couple weeks. Yeah, true. Did you see his post fight uh speech where he's like, Y'all can boo me if you want, but I wanna thank America for, for World, World War, War II. II. Yeah. <laughs> it's like God damn. Amazing. Okay. Thanks. I love it. Appreciate it. That was you. awesome. Gotta thank you. Thank you, Benoit yeah, like, Saint. You can't Denis. boo me now. You're the God of War. Appreciate God it. God of War. He lived up to it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, really, to wrap up UFC 295, the opening fight for the main card was another impressive knockout for Diego Lopez. He fought Pat Sabatini. It's a featherweight performance. They were two grapplers g- coming into the fight. I think we talked about it last week, didn't we? We did. We said pre-fight that the difference here between the two grapplers was that Diego Lopez's striking was going to be the difference, and Honestly, that played 100%. It was a a kind of contentious start to the fight. You know, the versatility was really the key, and Diego Lopez's hand shone through. He caught Pat Sabatini, hurt him. Yeah, Pat Sabatini fell to the ground, and it was one of those ones where he had his arm trapped. Under his own body. Under his own body, and, like, he couldn't defend himself, and just some clean, Just clean clean ground and pound to the face. Yeah, bouncing your head. Fight stoppage. Another fight that was just inside of 90 seconds. I I mean, it was crazy how quick these fights were finishing. Three fights on the main card, like, within, like, the first half of the first round. It was was crazy. And I love to see it. Yeah, I, that's I, what everybody wants. I'll pay $90 for six minutes of fighting. And Diego Lopez, maybe the best hair in the UFC, but also maybe the worst tattoo. Yeah, I didn't like him when I first saw him. He's a killer, though. He's a very entertaining guy to watch. But now, based on threats, I have to like him because I'm scared of him. He's the man. He's pretty cool. Diego Lopez, I think he's got a, a, a good future in the featherweight division. He has a pretty big, like, if you are big on like MMA, social media, Twitter, Instagram. Like he has a lot of fans on there. So he's a guy that if he continues to win, like he's going to have a lot of people talking about. Absolutely. I agree. All right. So let's move on to this week's top five, another Vegas apex card. So we're left to our own imagination, trying to come up with a topic for the top five. Uh, and I think this was your su- suggestion, since it's my birthday this week. Uh, we're going to do the top five things, birthday-related things, things about your birthday, anything birthday. Yeah, anything anything birthday. And despite it being my birthday and this being all about me, you get to go first with the first pick. Yeah, you're damn right. Um, I like this because birthdays are significant because it's a special holiday. It's being thankful for yourself. Um, it's all about you. Now, my 1-1 one, one is going to be gifts. Yeah, I mean, that's the obvious 1-1, one, one, I think. Right. You you can't go wrong with the birthday present. Even if, like, going to birthday parties as a kid, when you didn't know what to give them, would you give them money? It's one of the few things about a birthday that's good from your first birthday all the way to your last birthday. Yeah, People I'm pretty sure I still like if I'm I know it's my grandparents. My birthday's this week. I'm excited. I'm gonna get some shit. Right. You, it, and yeah, it's like some years it's like less than others, but it's always. I'm excited if it's, it's always underwear and socks. Exactly. Exactly. I love all birthday presents. Don't care who they're from, and I believe everybody, no matter what age does like the presents like i still get my grandma a birthday present and she at least acts like she enjoys it so what's your number one so my number one i don't know how we're gonna put this on the graphic but my number one is 
it means you access a new part of life, which in terms of when you turn 16, you get to drive. When you oh. turn 21, you get to drink. Birthday milestones. Birthday milestones. When you turn 20, 18, you get to vote, buy cigarettes. Your birthday milestone, so it means it's your birthday, you move up in age, and that means it unlo- it's almost like it unlocks a new level. Achievement unlocked. Achievement unlocked. You can get hammered now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Legally. I mean, it's just the... Isn't it crazy how you have but to the be only 21 thing that sucks to buy about- cigarettes now? Oh, man. You saw in England, any... Anyone born after 2009 just, like, can never, ever buy cigarettes. That's prob- That's very good. Yeah, but, I mean, vapes aren't any better. No, vapes are also— They're going to turn out to be worse, I'm pretty they sure. They are worse. It's I'm pretty sure they're worse. than a cigarette. At yeah, least cigarettes are a plant you're smoking. Yeah, just just smoke dope or something, cra- like, normal like normal people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so that's my one— one Birthday my one, milestones two. is a good thing Birthday because— Birthday milestones. You got, like, like you were saying, Sweet 16, uh, when we were 18, you could go out. You could go into the bars. I don't know if they still do that, but we were getting drunk at 18 because they just didn't care. And then at 21, it was just like, oh, I guess I can buy it without—and I'll show you my ID now. So, yeah, I like the milestones. What's your number two? My number two is birthday cake. Oof. I mean— Cake is also, it goes hand in hand with gifts. You always have a cake for your birthday. It's such a popular thing. Birthday cake is literally now a flavor. Ice cream flavor. It's like a distinct flavor. Sex on the cake. beach is also a flavor. I mean, are you arguing that's not a great thing? I don't want to taste it. I want to taste birthday cake, though. Fair enough. Fair so birthday enough. cake, my number two. I mean, it's just synonymous with your birthday. Like, it's your birthday. You're getting presents. You're having fucking cake. No, I like that. I like... I like cake. What's your favorite cake? Uh, Some kind of chocolate cake, like a lava cake or lava cake or what? The tuxedo cake is Tuxedo cake's up there. I mean, that thing is. I think I'm going to go to the store tomorrow and get me a little tuxedo cake. You know what I got from, uh, I got a chocolate, it wasn't a cake, it was a pie. It was a chocolate pie, but it was like Like the same. Like a Hershey's pie? No, but it was like the same filling that was uh, the soft pudding taste. Mousse? The mousse of a uh, tuxedo cake. Man, that's so cake, high quality. So birthday cake, my number two. So those are my first two picks. What's your number two? Man, my, my number two has got to be a birthday party. That's a good one. I have it on my list. My bir- a birthday party is very up there. It, I mean, you can get friends together. It can be a surprise. It evolves as you get older, too. It's themed, and then it's, it's not, not themed, themed, and then, and then it's, it's themed, themed again. again. You're right. It's... It's a big extravaganza, and it, it comes and goes, kind of like Halloween. You know, when you're a kid, it's a big deal. When you're a teenager slash, like, young adult, it's not as much of a big deal for certain people. And then as you get older, your 30s, 40s, it's just as big of a deal, and it might even be even more of a big deal because you're trying to, I don't know, celebrate being older. I like it. But birthday parties for me are another, you know, probably my – my second favorite thing about a birthday. Boom. What's your number three? I forgot I had the uh, snake, so <laughs> you have to give me a, a second. I felt the pause. I felt the pause. I'm going to have to say birthday dinner. Oh, that was my next pick. Birthday dinner is... You don't uh, think it's too similar to a birthday party? No, because growing up, we did birthday dinners and birthday parties birthday parties were for friends i kind of did what i wanted to do um and you know like or not did what i wanted to do i invited who i wanted to invite friends you know it wasn't really aunts and uncles the birthday dinner was when it was all family and that's when you got most of the money out of the presents you know your friends knew what you wanted your friends knew what you liked your family knew that you just wanted some cash so spending money for the the Chuck E. Cheese or the Toys R Us of your time. I think birthday party, birthday dinner, sorry, is, you know, just the synonymous getting the family together, having that good meal, and it Solid really pick. just being all about you. Solid pick. What's your number three? So my number three, you said it at the end. My number three is it's all about you. The whole day is about you. That's one of the best, that is the best thing about your birthday. Whether you're young or old, it's the one day where, like, it's about you. No, I like that. You, you gotta, get to celebrate yourself, do things you like. Um, yeah, all about you, my, my third pick. What, shouldn't it really be about your mom, though? Because, like, you didn't do anything. I mean, perfect world, but this ain't a perfect world, Alex. Fair enough. 
It's about Fair. me. Yeah, it's, I get it. You wait. It's your number three. It's, it's about you. Got it. Got it. What's your number four? My number four. This is where it starts getting. We're making. You know, we're doing we're reaching. Some reaches. So my number four. It only took six things to cover the top birthday things I ever. Mean, yeah. Pretty much. My number four is your birthday is an excuse not to listen slash do something. If anybody asks you to do something or you're supposed to do something. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. That's my excuse. I'm not doing it. You don't have to do anything you don't like. It kind of plays into it's all about you. But. A birthday excuse. Birthday excuse. You can use that. Kind of like birthday hooky. And now getting out of work, the person out of asking you to do something, they're the asshole. You flip the, you uno reverse it on them. I like that. No, I, I actually do like that pick. That that's that's similar to the it's all about me, but it plays a different level where it makes them feel guilty about asking you to do anything, like to move. Yeah. My favorite thing to do on my birthday, uh, which. This is a personal one for me, but I'll, I'll just actually, I'll put it as my number five. So I'll do my number four first. My number four birthday is going to be surprises. Birthday surprise? That birthday is surprise. Actually good I didn't, how did I not think of that one? Well, because it's, it's kind of, it's often associated with the party. But in, in this one, it's more like you didn't expect anything. And then you got that gift or you got that party it, it's just the general birthday surprise. It's kind of a catch-all for the surprise where you didn't think people were thinking, but they really were. So, you know, the birthday surprise. No, I like that pick a lot. I think it's a really good pick. And then my fifth pick, kind of the, the end-all, be-all, my favorite thing to do on my birthday, and you can ask anyone in my family, is radio silence. My favorite thing to do is to not respond. You know, it's, uh, ne- maybe the next day hit everybody with a thanks for their birthday wishes on the on the social medias and all that. But just doing what I want to do, being by myself, hanging out with who I want to hang, you know, planning that ahead of time, and everybody else gets ghosted. It's my birthday. It's kind of like my version of it's all about me. Yeah, they all kind of play in together of why it's great. But yeah, I, I do like that pick. Like going radio silent. My because my pick my number five kind of plays into yours and plays in which plays into mine Whoa. is no guilt yeah you there don't you have go. any guilt on your birthday whether it's plans you want to do and if you have anybody, guilt they're the asshole not talking to anybody you can eat what you want to it's the one day like oh i don't care if i eat unhealthy i don't care if i don't do anything if i'm lazy today like you have that's no the week guilt you get anything. two cheat meals or two cheat days whatever you don't have guilt about anything right murder it's, don't care exactly Fair. I like that. It's the one day. It's like the purge. One day they can't even arrest you. Well, they could. Don't. I mean, they could, but then they're the asshole. Let's try this on Thursday. <laughs> you try it and see how it goes. I'll need to borrow your driver's license so I have proof of identification. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the birthday <laughs> top five. I mean, this was a interesting one. It was fun. It was one we both really had because there's like five like concrete things and then yeah, you kind of have to start reaching a little bit i think anybody's top five would consist something of like a birthday party birthday presents birthday cake uh you know birthday milestones like you said so let's recap my number one was birthday milestones like drinking driving not in that order voting not no renting, maybe in that order renting a car but not together my number two was birthday cake my Oof. number three is it's a day all about you my number four, it gives you an excuse not to listen slash do something. And my number five was you have no guilt on your birthday. It's a really solid top five. And my top five were birthday gifts, birthday party. And number three, birthday dinners with your family. Four would be surprises. And five would be being radio silent. So kicking off UFC Vegas 82 in the welterweight division, we have Matebek Oravai taking a late on late decision, a late replacement coming uh, today, November yeah. 14th. I just had to learn how to say his name, yeah, Matebek Oravai. Uh, he was originally Johnny Parsons supposed to fight the uh, slugger, not slugger, not had a whole thing written on him too. It was yeah, gonna be he fun. drops out. Taking so, on Urus, the doctor medic. 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 This is the second time we've actually covered him on the podcast. He fought in July. Yeah, we saw him win. 
He's got heavy favorite odds against Johnny Parsons. I'm going to assume even heavier favorite odds against Orobai. Orobai, I mean, people are saying he's a killer, but this is his <laughs> UFC debut on short notice. Don't even in, know how old this guy is. Yeah, Sheardog had an NA as his age, which is concerning. He's 11-1-1, fighting out of Kyrgyzstan. Um, he seems like a KO guy. Honestly, I don't know too much about him. Out of his nine wins... I'm sorry, 11 wins, 6 KOs. He does have 4 subs. I was looking at Johnny Parsons' stats. That's my my fault. Uh, one decision victory as well. One decision victory. His last fight was October 27th, and he also fought in August of this year. So he's fought twice recently. So, I mean, he seems like a guy... Kind of has camp behind him at the very Kind of has least. camp behind him. So it's not crazy concerning that he's taking this on such short notice. 6 straight wins, but he's taking on Medich. She's the guy we know a lot more about. Three and one in the UFC with two straight wins. Right. So, so he's trying to go for his third win. His only career loss has been in the UFC. He's a Southpaw, Southpaw fighter who can wrestle. Hasn't submitted anyone since 2018. One though. thing that concerns me, though, Medich, his only loss is by submission. And it seems like Orobai can submit people. He has four submissions in his career out of his 11 wins. So... Could yeah, that but does a, that is that going to translate to UFC level? That is true, but could that be a weakness? If you're him, that's probably your game plan coming in. Probably coming in, but I think the the very short notice, like four or five day short notice uh, bout time, mixed with medics, you know, comfortability in the UFC, and it's your UFC debut on four days notice. I think medics going to win. I have medic too. I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to win. Um, I originally had this as an uh, an opposite an opposite but same kind of like the Lopez Sabatini fight from last week where you had uh, two striking guys with possibilities of ground game, but whoever had the better ground game was going to win. I think that's not going to even play a factor anymore. I yeah, think, think Medic's just going to knock him out. I think the experience is just he's been in the UFC. I agree with you. I think Medic gets the win. And the next fight we're moving on to is Luana. Pinheiro, is that how you say her Pinero. name? Pinheiro. Pinheiro. Taking on Amanda Rebos, two Brazilian fighters. Pinheiro comes in 11-1, never been finished. Her only loss is by decision. She's 3-0 in the UFC. We last saw her fight against Michelle Watterson in April, I believe, of this year. Yeah, and she, she really put a beating on her to win by decision. One thing that is concerning, this is she's only had one fight since 2021, which was the one in April. Uh, and no UFC finishes, although she does have nine straight wins. She's taking on Amanda Rebos, who is a girl that's pretty active. Right. Yeah, and to say that Panero's only career loss was in 2017, so she's gone like, you know, six, almost seven years without a loss. But like you're saying, she's, she's not, not very active. So And Amanda Rebos, 11-4, and 6-3 in the UFC, but her last six fights, she's alternated wins-losses. So win-loss, win-loss. Her right. last fight was a loss. So that would suggest she's due for a win. At least for you. That's what it's suggesting to me. I have Amanda Rebos winning this fight. I just think the activity is going to play a factor in this. She's way more active than Benhero. Um yeah, I got a man of Rebos winning in the fight. So my my kind of lean on factor here is that while they do spout similar styles and similar records, you know, both fighters have two KO victories. They're also the same age, the same height, and from the same country. I know. Both Brazilian, both like 5-4. They both want both have 11 wins, one has one loss, one have four losses. Both have two KO victories, right? One has five submission victories and one has four. And you know, numerous decision victories from each. I think the the big difference here is that Luana Pinero is not as reserved as Amanda Rebus. I think Amanda Rebus is just going to be hesitant a little bit, and I think that's what is going to be the key to victory for Luana Pinero. Like that we're having some we're disagreeing on. It, I mean, it's only going to work if I win. That's good for me because, like last week, yeah, I know. Uh, so the next fight we have to talk about is going to be Peyton Talbot in the bantamweight division fighting Nick Slick Aguirre or Aguirre. Undefeated Peyton Talbot. This is the heaviest odds on the whole card. And it's surprising because the guy with the the biggest favorite, it's his UFC debut. And but he's I, only 6-0. I think that and leans into how much he strikes. The UFC likes him. He strikes a lot. I was looking at his stats. He strikes almost 10 strikes per minute. One thing that's concerning, though, he's 6-0, as we said. Right. 
His only fight in anything, the closest thing to the UFC, the contender series, is his only decision. So he moved up in competition, and he wasn't able to keep his 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 KO kind of signature power. finish. His signature finish. Right. That is one thing that's concerning. Uh, and he's taken on a guy who's never been finished. Right. Nick Argetta lost to or Nick not Argetta. Nick Aguirre lost to Dan Argetta in his USA debut. That was his first loss in his career. Yeah, seven and one. It's three KO victories, four submission victories. So he's kind of proved that he can get it done however he needs to. But when it goes to the cards, he didn't have what it took against Dan Argetta. I don't, I'm not sure how Peyton Talbot wins this fight, but I believe, since I don't know much about either fighter in this one, that I'm going to just side with Vegas. Yeah, I'm surprised the odds are this in favor of Talbot. I mean, minus 900 for a money line is pretty heavy. But I, I got Talbot winning. I think he's going to come in. I think the his last fight, the decision wasn't the norm. I think this guy has power. I think he gets a knockout. And the next fight we move on to is going to be Chase the Dream Hooper, the 24-year-old taking on Jordan Monkey King Levitt, the 28-year-old. Hooper comes in 12-3 and three and 1, so 12 wins, 3 losses, 1 draw. Dude, Chase Hooper's whole career in the UFC has been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. He's 4-3 win, in the UFC. And so, he's due for a loss. Yeah, so he won his first, lost his second, as you said, alternated. I think he gets... I think this is the time he ends that alternating streak. Jordan Levitt comes in 11-2. and two. He's 4-2 in the UFC. He is coming off of a nice win. Uh, I think Chase Hooper, though, his ground game is killer. And I think the ground game is going to be where he beats Levitt. Levitt does only have one sub-loss, but it was to Patty Pimblett. And I think Hooper kind of has a comparable ground game to Patty. Yeah, I think this one is a similar, similar take as... You know, we have similar styles that the more adept in that style is going to be the victor here. While I disagree that Jordan Levitt is going to lose, I I actually think he's going to win. I think he's better on the ground than Chase Hooper, and I think he's going to show that here. I think that's actually going to be the key to his victory is, you know, being stronger on the ground than Chase Hooper. I pick Jordan Levitt to win the fight. So we have another one we disagree on. Right. I hope we agree on this next one. It's Michael Morales in the welterweight division. 15-0, perfect in his career. 11 KOs. One submission victory. With and two, two UFC TKOs, too. Right, already. So he's, he's finishing people. He's, he's, he's stepped it up with the step up in competition. And three decision victories in his career. Taking on Jake, the Celtic kid, Matthews. 19-6, five KO victories, eight submission victories, and six decision victories. He's only 29 years old, but he's been in the UFC since 2014, and this will be his 19th UFC fight. So that's that proves crazy. several things. That proves that he can get it done multiple ways. He can knock you out. He can sub you. He can win on the cards. But he also, he's versatile, and he's durable. He's been in the UFC for 19. This will be his 19th fight. It shows that no matter what's thrown at him, he may not win every time, but he at least can last through it. He's another fighter coming in, though, that's on a alternating win streak, win-loss streak. So his last four fights have been win-loss, win-loss, his last fight being a win. So he's due for the loss, and he's coming against an undefeated 15-0 Michael Morales guy who's only 23 years old but looks like a guy that in a couple years he could be towards the top of this division. I think Michael Morales has more experience than he shows at 23 years old, or at least he acts I mean, like he has more fights, experience. 15 fights overall is a lot for a 23-year-old. Three UFC fights isn't not a lot either for a 23-year-old. Right, absolutely. Most guys aren't even close to the UFC at that age. I think Michael Morales keeps his undefeated streak, his undefeated record. He, I think he moves to 4-0 in the UFC, and I think he does it with a finish, a KO finish. I don't know about the KO finish, but I agree. I think Michael Morales moves to 16-0, 4-0 in the UFC and continues that unbeaten streak. All right, so this main event, I'm actually very excited about. It's two fighters I like a lot. It's I'm Brent so torn on this one. It is a torn because it's two guys, as I said, I like a lot. Brendan Allen, all-in Allen, uh, the 27-year-old, 22-5 overall, coming in on a five-fight win streak, so he's really feeling himself. He's taking on Paul... Bear, Bear Drew, Drew Craig, Craig, the Scottish Scottish soldier, I would almost say, 
He's a likable guy. Braveheart he's a, himself. He look, he has a Braveheart uh, kind of persona style. Yeah. Uh, cool looking dude. He's a good looking dude. Uh, his second fight at 185, his last fight was a win. His first fight at 185, and he looked damn impressive. Uh, he looked like a new fighter, a guy that could move up and contend because we know he's he's beaten Jamal Hill. Right. Like, Beating the shit out of him. In not that long ago. So, like, he... He's a guy that can compete with anybody. He's had he's nine six to one in the UFC, so he's had some losses. But I think this move down is going to be very good for him. He has a killer, killer ground game with thirteen subs. But he's taking on Brendan Allen, who also has thirteen subs, also has a killer ground game. I mean, this fight—I don't know how it's going to go. It's hard for me to pick. It's two guys that are pretty comparable. Yeah, very comparable. You know, they they both have strong striking, both have lethal ground games. I think one of the differences here is that Brennan Allen has a strong striking game, but his ground game's even better, whereas Paul Craig is kind of flipped a little bit. While he hasn't knocked as many people out as he has submitted people, I think he wants to be more of a striker as of late. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's, I think he's, he's done that because guys know not to fuck with him on the ground. Well, I think when contested on the ground, he's going to lose. I pick Brennan Allen. If Vegas sides with it as a minus 450 heavy money line for Brennan Allen, I'm uh, not going we, against the Louisiana guy this here. This is another one we disagree on. Is that three of the six fights That's this three. Card? I like it. I got uh, Paul Bear, Drew Craig. I can't pick against him. I like him too much. I think he's going to he's gonna step up in performance. I'm thinking it's not going to be a sub, but it's going to be a ground TKO from Bear Jew. Ugh. Seeing another ground TKO would be brutal. Ready, set, hut. All right. Huddle up. It's football time. Back to our weekly NCAA and NFL coverage where we cover the biggest games of the week, five each each league and the first game we're going to cover is going to be an NCAA game and it's going to be the number 16 Utah Utes taking on the number 19 Arizona Wildcats in a Pac-12 matchup that has huge Pac-12 title game implications who is your persona this week I kind of used a little Cam Newton uh, cadence I didn't know if it was that he goes ready go I didn't know if it it was that or if it was a generic football guy it was kind of generic. It was like a little little mix between I the like two. it. Okay. So we've got the Utah Utes taking on the Arizona Wildcats, both 7-3. and three. Utah is 16 ranked. Arizona's 19. How do you see this one going? Arizona's one of the surprise teams of the year. This is a team nobody really thought was going to be uh, one of the better teams in the Pac-12. They've had some good wins. They're competing with everybody. I think they come in 6-3, and 7-3. and 7-3, yeah. They seven beat Colorado three. last week. Excuse they me. They barely beat Colorado. Honestly, it was one of Colorado, Colorado's better performances recently. Um, I think it's a good game. I think because it's in Tucson, I think it's a very close game. Because it's at Arizona, I give them the slight, slight edge. I think Arizona was minus one uh, favorites. Minus 110, yeah. It's a, kind of a toss-up between when the I two. Looked, it, well, no, they were minus one like point spread when I oh. looked. Favorited. That is also true. Minus one is a point spread. And I think Arizona gets it done at home. I think it's just their year. I think Utah, uh, while they're still a good team, they've never gotten over the fact that they don't have Cam Rising. Well, speaking of facts. Good defense, not the best offense. I got the Arizona Wildcats winning. Speaking of facts, Utah has won six straight against Arizona. So that's one. Um. But Arizona has the home advantage, so with them playing efficiently, I think the Arizona Wildcats are going to win as well. So we side together for that one, sir. Yeah, so the next one we're going to look at is a big SEC matchup, two rivals. The number one two-time defending champs, Georgia Bulldogs, taking on the number 21 Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee coming off an embarrassing loss at Missouri last weekend. Is it as big of a... Big of a matchup if you know who's going to win, though? It's a big matchup in the fact that traditionally it's a big matchup. But, yeah, this is going to be – I think George is going to, no pun intended, dog walk the Tennessee Volunteers. They're going to get molly-whopped. Well, they're the Bulldogs, so I was saying dog walk. Yeah. But, you know. The um, Volunteers are going to – no, they can't walk the dogs. George is coming off – Because then that means they off, won, right? 
Yeah. Right. Georgia's coming off probably their most impressive performance of the year. They blew the brakes off of Ole Miss. Um, yeah, Carson Beck had a great game against Ole Miss. So did Kendall Milton and Dajan Edwards. It just seems like this Georgia team is... Yeah, they like started six touchdowns, but they started slow. But they were winning games. They're getting better. They're they're kind of getting into gear. They know their time to shine is late in the season, Dude. heading towards the playoffs in the SEC championship game. And I picked Tennessee last week, and they got absolutely blown out by Missouri. I'm aware. I thirty six to seven. Yeah, I think Georgia's going to win. They'll probably cover. I think they're favored like ten and a half points right now. I think Georgia's going to win by like twenty one. Yeah, three or four touchdowns. It's crazy how bad Tennessee decided to show up these past couple weeks. Uh, it opened at eight, minus eight and a five, eight and a half. I saw it at minus five. I think I saw ten and a half. It's opened at minus eight and a half. It's already at minus ten and a half, so it's a growing line. I think Georgia wins. You think Georgia wins? Oh, yeah. I think everybody thinks Georgia wins. Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia wins. All right, next game we're covering is one of the playoff contenders in the number five Washington Huskies taking on number 10 Oregon State Beavers. Another game that's huge in Pac-12 title game implications. Michael uh, Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. Washington, they've kind of, they haven't been playing the best as of late, but they're winning games. They're taking on an Oregon State team who nobody's talking about. Very sneaky, very good team. And right. the, the Beavers have beaten teams that nobody thought they were going to beat. And the game is in Corvallis, Oregon. This is a home game for Oregon State. This is going to be a very, very tough game for the Washington Huskies. Maybe their toughest of the regular season. And that's including their win at home against number six, Oregon Ducks. And Oregon's, or not Oregon State, I'm sorry. Oregon State's favorited at home. So that puts the number five ranked Washington Huskies as the underdogs. Yes, yeah, slight, slight underdogs. I mean, this is a game... This is a huge game. For, if they win this game, Oregon State, they might jump Florida State for the number four ranking, saying they both win. Uh, I, think I just I, believe in this Washington team. I think Penix, as we talked about. Got that big, big Penix energy. I think he steps up as he has this whole year. They have the best offense in, the college, in college football offense. right now. LSU has the two best receivers if you're talking about duos. If you're talking about trios, the Washington Huskies have the three best like group of receivers. Right. I think their offense is going to be a little too much for Oregon State. I think it's a very close game, but I got the Huskies in a close, close game over the Beavers. I agree. I think the Washington Huskies are going to win. I don't think it's actually going to be as close. I think the uh, the plus two and a half line, I think it's going to be at least a seven-point victory. Not a bad pick. Next Moving one, on, we've got Kansas versus Kansas. That'll be Kansas State Wildcat versus the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas Jayhawks. This is one of the few times, even though Kansas lost, they got upset last week against uh, Texas Tech. It's one of the few times these two teams meet, and they're both actually good. Right. You have the Kansas State. They're ranked 23rd. Kansas isn't ranked. But you have Kansas State favored to win with the money line of minus 300. Kansas, the game's in Lawrence, Kansas, too, at, at Kansas Jayhawks. So it's an away game for the Wildcats. For the Wildcats. They're still favored to win by 8.5 is the current line. Yeah, I think Kansas, they were already down to their backup quarterback. Uh, I think Bean is his last name, and he got hurt last week. Right. I think that's going to be the huge factor in this game. Kansas State is a team ascending. They're playing well. Right, and Kansas State blew out Baylor last week. Will Howard, Avery Johnson, I think they put up four total scores last week against Baylor, like through the air only. Yeah, it was a solid performance, and they're taking on a team that it's kind of, you don't want to say on a dime, downward trajectory, but injuries have really hurt them. Even though it's a rivalry game, I think Kansas State, the favorite, is going to go in to Kansas and grab the victory. Yeah, I think Kansas is allowing too many points. Like you said, with the injuries, with them losing by that field goal with not much time less left last week, that coupled with the injuries and their defense allowing too many points, they're just going to be too vulnerable for Kansas State. I believe Kansas State is going to win as well. All right, the next game we're covering is another rivalry game in the state of North. Well, it's not the same state. In the Carolinas, it's in the Carolinas. Clemson representing South Carolina, taking on the University of North Carolina, the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels come in number twenty-two. They're taking on Clemson, who. Although they're non-ranked, they seem to finally be playing well. They beat the shit out of Notre Dame two weeks ago. They had a nice win over Georgia Tech last week. 
North Carolina, they seem to be all over the place. They were looking good. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And then they go and lose to two of the worst teams in the conference. Got dominated by Georgia Tech. They got they lost to Virginia. So this is a team that's just all over the place. Um, I think experience plays a factor in this game. And although North Carolina might have individually some of their guys have more experience, I think Clemson as a program is just better than North Carolina's. I think Clemson at home beats the ranked Tar Heels. Listen, Clemson beat Georgia Tech by 21. North Carolina lost to Georgia Tech. Do you need me to say more? I'm kidding. That's that's a <laughs> that's a shitty representation of anything if I were to just leave it at that. They that did happen this season, but I think going against the Tar Heels, you know, they they did win over Duke and Clemson lost to Duke early in the season, so yeah, you, you know, just contradicted yourself. Right, it's a it's a it's a toss up. I think Drake May needs another big game to to keep the Tigers off his back, but I don't think he gets it. I think Clemson wins. So we agree on that one. Do we agree on all? Our I think we picks? agree on all the college picks, but most of the UFC picks we differ on this week. So let's move on to the NFL then. In the first game on a rarity for us, we're covering the Thursday night game just because it's such a big game and it's one of our favorite teams. Cincinnati Bengals travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Bengals coming off of a tough loss to the Texans. Ravens coming off of an even tougher loss to the Cleveland Browns. I think we should expect T. Higgins and Odell Beckham Jr. to both be out this week, coming off of uh, you know playing on Sunday, having a short week not being able to play on Thursday. I think T. Higgins, Higgins has already be, been ruled out, but we'll see. Bengals come into this game 5-4 and four after getting beat by a field goal with time expiring to the Texans, and the Ravens getting beat by the Browns last week by Browns. a field goal after with having time had expiring, but they had like lead. a three, two to three touchdown lead. They blew that game. Honestly, I'm picking the Bengals here, even though they're plus one fifty-five money line underdogs, and they're what well, they have plus three and a half point dogs on the line as well. I think the Bengals are going to win here. Joe Burrow is a hundred percent healthy. He's going to have a little bit of rhythm, having two two games with T. Higgins not in there, having to rely on the tight ends, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, mix in a couple, you know. Good rushes from Joe Mixon, maybe some good ground game, and we'll have a solid, solid game from the Bengals. The Ravens haven't had to do much to win games recently. We haven't had a crazy big performance out of Lamar Jackson. Not a bunch of passing yards. He's just been very efficient, which, you know, that's, there's what, seven and three? So that plays very well for them to start the season. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I think. The Bengals have their backs against the wall. I think Joe Burrow steps up. I got the Bengals winning. Cool. Next game we're going to cover is another game in the division. The Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. I mean, the Steelers are sneaky 6-3. and three. Dude, I hate that they're 6-3. and three. They, are, they are not a good football team this year. I mean, the NFL is all about winning games. They're taking on the Browns, who's coming off probably the biggest win in the uh, Sean Watson, Cleveland Browns history. Like, since he's been on the team. Did you say Massage Watson? I did say Massage Watson. Okay, good. Um, I think he steps up again. He actually, he had a horrible start. Dude, he threw a pick six to start the game. He started like six for 20 first half and then went 14 for 14 in the second half. And just, you know. Came back came against back, the Ravens and won. Huge deficit, won I against the Ravens. I think he continues that, and I, I think it plays into the fact that the Steelers, six and three, I don't want to say they're frauds, but they're not a six and three team. I think the Browns get it done. I think especially at home, the Browns are going to have what it takes to, to do it here. Um, I don't think the team either one of these teams are good despite their records. They're both 6-3, and three, but neither one honestly deserves that kind of record. Other than the second half of the game that we were just talking about, Deshaun did not play well, and Najee Harris has really been the life of the Packers. I believe the Browns are going to win as well. So we agree on the first two NFL games. The next one, I think we're going to agree on this one, too. Yeah, big, a big, big, big Yeah, you don't favorite. see NFL uh, lines like this a lot. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to San Francisco. Minus 600 for the money line favorite for San Francisco. Take on the Niners. The Niners last week, they looked like they corrected all the mistakes they made. They went to Jacksonville 
after three straight losses and a bye week. And they just beat the shit out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right, but the Bucks did come and they were on a four-loss losing streak. It's a big, it's a big hurdle to have to overcome. You know, weird thing. The 49ers have to do the exact same thing. Both teams yeah. coming into this game. And were the 49ers four- are actually a good team and the Bucks aren't. Right. So you never would have expected both teams to have to come to, into those, you know, odds. Or that that level of adversary. CMC ended his touchdown streak. So I guess we can hope to restart that now. Yeah, it's the best way to end a touchdown streak and when your team blows out. Right. Goes across country and blows out. But in the end of the game, they did they did give him just three drives, just trying to give him options to get the touchdown. I appreciate the Jaguars not just giving it to him. Yeah, the Jaguars it's the NFL. You don't just give touchdowns out. I appreciate it. I think the 49ers are going to win, but the question is, is by how much? Yeah, I think the Niners win. I think it's the NFL, so it's probably going to be closer than you think. But I'm going to say Niners by, like, seven. And the next game we're covering is the AFC East matchup. The Maybe one of the worst offense performances I've ever seen last week in the, in the New York Jets. Taking on another team that didn't look great on offense either, who's really struggling Struggling so much, they fire their offensive coordinator today, today in the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the Bills, this kind of goes back to the Bengals' point. Their backs are against the wall. They have to start winning some games. I think they're 5-5, five 5-4 and five, five and four right now. Jets are 4-5. and five, The Bills are 5-5. Five and five. I mean, the Bills, I don't know what's going on with Josh Allen. He is turning the ball over like crazy. He's got 11 interceptions. And this Jets year. team, like nobody's talking shit about their defense. They have a great defense, and they could force a lot of turnovers. I just think it's going to come down to who can score you more points. I think Josh Allen scores more points than Zach Wilson. I got the Bills, but I think it's going to be like a super tight, super low-scoring game. I think the uh, the Bills have been playing, and the Jets, honestly. They had the opportunity after Aaron Rodgers. They came back you know, very strong at the very beginning, and they have just not played up to par. It should not be Aaron Rodgers to hold the entire thing together like that. But to the same point, Josh Allen has thrown 11 interceptions so far this year. He has not been playing well. They've dropped games to the Broncos and the Patriots, which I think is unacceptable for them. I think the Bills are going to come back and win this year. Or not this year, this game. So, but I agree with you. I don't... I think the Jets are probably going to cover the seven-point spread. It'll be a close-scoring game, low-scoring game. Bills win. And then finally, is it finally? Yeah, finally, we have a Super Bowl rematch. Eagles versus Chiefs. Probably the Monday Night Football. Probably Probably the the best Monday Night Football game of the season. And probably the two, you said Super Bowl rematch, probably the two best teams in the NFL right now. Just if you say, just hold, just like if you had the bet, as day. If you had the bet who's going to be in the Super Bowl, you would say it's going to be these two teams. Yeah, one of the two. Like not not playing like a fan favorite reach or anything. I'd say it's going to be the Chiefs or it's Kelsey the Bowl. Eagles. Kelsey Bowl 2.0. Um, yeah, you got brotherly love with a good brotherly shove this week. That's a good one. Is it a good one? It might be. How, How many times it? do you think they're going to mention Taylor Swift in this in this uh, on a? ESPN Monday Night Football game. This is the first time the Chiefs have okay, been in Monday well, Night Football. You want to know how much they're going to mention Taylor Swift this week? I'm going to read you exactly what I wrote for this game. Brotherly love with a brotherly shove. The Kelsey's come together in a Super Bowl rematch where Taylor Swift should do the halftime show. That's all I wrote. Oh, that, that's a lot about Taylor Swift. Well, that's more about Taylor Swift than it is about football. I mean, I think these are both teams that... They keep winning games, and they have two of the best records in the NFL, but they haven't looked like they're playing their best yet, which no. is, I think is scary for the rest of the NFL, though. Right. They're 8-1 and one for the Eagles, 7-2 and two for the Chiefs. I think both teams are going to ball out in this game. It's going to be a very entertaining game. I think there's going to be plenty of offense. I think it's going to be a very great game, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. You know, I had the Chiefs. Are you I'm, switching? I'm going to make a last-minute switch. Ooh. The Eagles? I think the Eagles get the dub. I think A.J. Brown goes off in this game. And I think the Eagles go in the arrowhead to get the win. Honestly, if 
if the Eagles win, I, I could stand to hear a good Roan Eagles chant. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. So let's kick off these stakes and takes from last week. I did pretty good. I went 10 and 5 for all my takes. I got uh, 5 wrong. I went 4 and 1 in the in, in college, 3 and 2 in the UFC, and 3 and 2 in the NFL. How'd you do, Christian? I did one better than you. I went 11 and 4. Cool. 5 and 0 in college. That was the difference. 2 and 3 in the UFC. I'm sorry, 2 and 3 in the NFL, 4 and 1 in the UFC. Yeah, I got the Bengals wrong. They got upset by the Texans with a field goal. In the I way. had that one as well. I had the Ravens, which fucked me. Yeah, I had the, the Ravens as well. And I also had between the you two, the maybe Jets. the worst. Yeah, maybe the worst football game I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I picked the team that actually lost between the Jets and the Raiders. Yeah, I lucked out on that one. I got I got the dub there. So I think that's the, actually the only category I beat you in this week. The other two, uh, UFC. We both got darn wrong, but I picked Prohaska. You picked Pereira, so obviously you got the belt and, one. and the win there. And for the uh, college, I picked the Volunteers. Yeah, Missouri beat that ass. And they volunteered to lose to the Tigers. It was crazy. Yeah, I went 5-0. and We had all the other same picks, so pretty good. solid week. I think we'll both take 11-4 and and 10-5 and every week. Yeah, it definitely increases. It's a 2-1 to one for me on the 10-5, and five, so I'll take that for sure. Uh, with the stakes for me... I went three and two. You know, it, once again, it's positive. It's nothing to write, write home about, but I got the BSD money line. That's going to be Menois St. Denis money line. Got the Seahawks money line and the 49ers money line. I lost on a Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern over on the rounds. Andrade just smashed her yeah, early. She ruined that for you. Yeah. And uh, Tennessee volunteers money line. Yeah, that's line. a tough one to bet on. <laughs> yeah. It's just, God damn. Just. Just shit on me completely. How'd you do in bets? I did pretty damn well. I went 5-0. and All five of my bets hit. Damn. I had the same uh, Benoit St. Denis money line, so that one obviously hit. Nice. I had Tom Aspinall money line. That was the one I was worried about because that was like a, either guy could punch each other and knock him Right. Out. I didn't pick that as a bet because it like going in, it's like, ah, well, I don't I don't know what's going to, even though I think Tom Aspinall, Aspinall is going to win, I don't know what's going to happen. So I didn't feel confident playing Yeah, I was it. nervous about that one. Uh, my college football bet was the Michigan Wolverines. They beat Penn State, their money line. Uh, then NFL, I had the 49ers, who I think I bet money line almost every week they play. Pretty much. I mean, it's it's worth it at this so point. So they finally went. They finally ended their losing streaks. So that was one. And then I had the Seahawks money line over the Commanders. I just thought they were the better team. And they, it was a close game, and they eked it out. But 5 They and got 0. it. That's all that matters. 5-0. and 5-0. and 0. Nice. So changing things up a little bit this week. Instead of just, you know, kind of rattling off the standings every week, I want to do things a little bit different. I want to try to pick an upset of the week. I want to each give a different one uh, that kind of we think is going gonna, is gonna to win the upset on the cards. You know, give people a little betting advantage, if we will. So is this UFC? Is it football? Is it any sport? I think it's going to be any sport that has a plus money line. You know, nothing nothing that's saying like, oh, I'm just going to pick this one because it's not going to win. But let's pick one that we think is going to be right, the I upset. Got a, I got an easy one for this week. All right, what you got? I got the Washington Huskies plus 114, number five team in the nation. Oh, against Oregon State? Against Oregon State. I'm surprised they're underdogs. I thought it would be a close game, but I'm surprised they're underdogs. Yeah, I don't understand that, the, the line on that. But I actually agree with you. I think the Washington Huskies are going to win. It's a plus 114 line at the moment. Obviously, by game time, I think it's very strong. By game time, it probably will be an even or Washington favorite, but still. My upset of the week, I think I'm going to go with the Alopecia King himself, Josh Dobbs, Minnesota Vikings money line, plus 110 over the Broncos. I think with how bad the Broncos have been this year, I think the only reason they're getting the money line favorite is because they've had a couple weird wins over the Chiefs. 49ers, a couple weird teams like that. Where I mean, you t- those are good wins. Good wins for them, but they're not a good team. I think the and Broncos. And we probably are, have Justin Jefferson back this week. I don't week. know, man. I think the Broncos are finding themselves. And I think Josh Dobbs, he's not going to play like this forever. But he can play like this this year. Can he? Not he the might. whole year. He might. So I pick Minnesota Vikings money line plus 110. You got the Washington Huskies plus 114. 
kind of bets you got this week? What kind of stakes are you so, going to make this week? I actually have Washington Huskies money line as one of my bets. Okay, so you're putting your money where your mouth is. I like yeah, that. Plus 114. And my other college bet, big, kind of a big favorite, is the Georgia Bulldogs. I got them at minus one. I'm, I'm sorry, minus 440. Georgia nice. Bulldogs over the Tennessee Volunteers. Okay, so for college, I actually also have the Washington money line uh, and Kansas State money line. I think the Wildcats are going to beat the Jayhawks this week. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. You have any uh, UFC? I got two. I have one UFC fight. I got two. I got Medich. Actually, Medich money line at minus 240. That's actually when he was supposed to fight Johnny Parsons. The new money line has not come out. I assume it'll be even heavier. I assume so, too, and I'm sticking with Medich getting a dub. And then my other uh, my other bet is going to be Paul Craig money line plus 275. I think he gets the win, and I think that's a good line to uh, earn a little money. Yeah, I think with both of those— uh, or not, not both of those, all four of those, it's a good solid, like kind of plus minus differential there. Uh, my one UFC bet this week is Michael Morales money line. I think he's going to win. I'm, I've kind of faltered in UFC the past couple of weeks, picking, you know, picking some bad fights. So I'm just trying to get back to baseline. You I know, feel you brother. Catch a couple wins. Um, but for NFL, I got two bets. I got, I got the, one NFL bet. I got the Bengals money line. I'm going to ride that lightning. I like it. I like it. And then I got the Kansas City Chiefs money line. I like both of those. Well, I think the Eagles are going to win, but it's not a bad bet. I have the Cleveland Browns money line as my only NFL bet. Minus 192. Brownies for a brownie. Got I it. I think at home against the Steelers, I think they get it done. Nice. Yes, I think that wraps up our bets, our stakes and takes for the week. Uh, check us out next week when we... Review UFC Vegas 82. Take a look at the big football games of the week, both NCAA and NFL, and go over our stakes and takes from this week and give you our stakes and takes for next week.